Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen Bradley, your host. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Every week we try to bring you this content, which is specifically targeted towards Black pre-medical students, medical students, resident physicians, and even attending physicians, anybody in that healthcare training pipeline. We are quickly approaching our second year on the air. So we started back in June of 2020. And I I say we a lot because it makes it sound like there's a lot more people. But um, it's really just me and my amazing wife who's helped me do some of the recording. And obviously, I have to shout out each and every one of the incredible guests that have joined me on the show. And given a little bit of themselves, have been open, have been vulnerable, and shared things that they learned along their journeys that I think you listening, you know, may identify with or learn something new that you can incorporate into your path and perhaps not, you know, make a similar mistake or blunder. As we speed towards June and the two-year anniversary, I have been fortunate enough, you know, I have an incredible group of friends, an incredible friend circle who have really poured into me, invested in me and said, hey, let's work together and take this show to the next level. And we are really actively working on increasing the impact that we have every week on the show. We'll probably transition a little bit more. In the beginning, my vision was simply to highlight physicians, um, underrepresented minorities in medicine, uh, dentists, pharmacists, other graduate professionals, and inspire that next generation of students that are following that pathway. And if you look through our archives, uh, we have over 120 episodes doing just that, sharing these incredible careers, incredible pathways that people have had. So definitely go back and listen. You know, one of the fun things for me, I am not a planner. I am an avid procrastinator. It's uh, right now 10.15 on a Sunday evening, and I always try to upload these episodes by midnight. So yes, I I am that much of a procrastinator. And so I just kind of jumped in and started, you know, figuring out how to record, how to edit, doing all this stuff on the fly. And I'll probably do a whole episode talking specifically about podcasting and what I've learned and how I grew and progressed. Hopefully you will notice a distinct improvement in the audio quality from when the show first started to when it, um, you know, what you're listening to now, I've learned a lot along the way. And it's, you know, one of the things, this is a labor of love, it's a passion project. So thank you again for um, rocking with it. And hopefully, you know, you've learned some stuff. Stay tuned. Uh, I said all that to say, in June, we're going to relaunch the show. We're going to change some stuff up. I've partnered with some incredible uh, individuals who are going to join us on a regular basis to share the things that they've learned and they've experienced. We're going to make the show a little more applicable, a little more broad in the the topics that we discuss. There's so many things that we can do to really have an impact on healthcare at large and help to train that next generation of physicians, uh, physician leaders. How do you increase the impact of diversity, equity, and inclusion in your pre-medical program or in your residency program or uh, for the residents or or young attending physicians. So we want to really tackle some of these issues and problems and you'll 
ideally be seeing more of uh, panel interviews. And these panels are going to be filled with incredible people. I've said that multiple times already, so I will move on. I'm going to try to do a little bit more editing. So instead of throwing stuff together on Sunday afternoons, I am going to do my, you know, work my darndest to actually do a, a little bit more editing and add a couple of segments. I'm going to have uh, Dr. Brittany Halford. She is a financial guru, and she's going to be able to share some of these uh, financial tips that she's learned along the way. We'll incorporate that into the show along with these panel interviews. Uh, probably change up the music. I've been working, I've been in the studio for a couple of, of weeks, probably months to be honest, working on creating some new theme music and trying to jazz it up, add a little energy to the show, uh, a little razzle-dazzle. Um, so stay tuned for that coming in June. We're going to try to increase the resources that we provide and beef up the website probably work on um, adding you know resources for students looking for paid away rotations and and other scholarships and of course that the giveaways so we're fortunate to have a couple of sponsors you may have noticed some of the ads and we are so thankful for the folks that have partnered with us because as much as I do enjoy this uh, passion project um, it's one thing to, to do it for free uh, but it's another thing to do it when it's costing out of pocket so Fortunately, a couple of different companies and brands have partnered with us to help support our efforts to increase diversity and equity and inclusion in medicine and inspire the next generation. So, so thank you so much to them. But with that extra money, we will be doing giveaways um, with the increased frequency. Again, a lot of this is, is slow because I, I'm not much of a team player. I tend to overcommit and... Um, one of the things I'm working on is working with other people to help grow this and expand this. But on the lookout, um, you, you'll we'll have some more giveaways, whether that's educational resources or just finances. So to that end, stay tuned and check out the website, www.theblackdaughterspodcast.com. Finally, we'll start with the question of the week. And it'll be posted either on Twitter or on Instagram, or actually both Twitter and Instagram. It'll be on the Black Doctors Podcast Instagram page, and then on Twitter under my Twitter handle, Stephen Bradley MD. The question for this week is: What are your scrubs of choice? Are you a designer scrubs wearer, a hospital scrubs wearer? No scrubs. You dress up for uh, clinic or uh, shout out to TLC. Or other, and then you can comment there. So we're going to try to make this a little more interactive. Um, so stay tuned. Yeah, June's going to be a crazy, crazy month. And if you have not yet left us a review on iTunes, we've been stuck at 69 for a while, which is a fantastic number. I, I giggle every time I see it, but we've been at 69 reviews for quite a while. So if you want to um, contribute. That's great. It helps grow the show, helps us get in front of um, more people. We are approaching 100,000 downloads. We may or may not hit 100,000 downloads by our two-year anniversary. If we do, that's cool. If not, that's cool. We're going to keep doing the same thing that we've been doing and just putting out this content for, for you. We're going to jump into this episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. 
I sit down and talk with Dr. Joshua Anthony. He is a resident physician. He is a graduate of Meharry Medical College. And we just kind of talk about the ups and downs and the highs and lows of medical school and how once you get to medical school, there's a lot of things that you, you may not expect um, to encounter, whether it's with financial aid or your, your fellow classmates. And he talks about his unique way that he navigated a lot of these problems. Uh, he has a very inspiring story. One of the cool things about this interview is I, I met Josh for the first time at the Student National Medical Association conference down in Orlando, Florida. And again, I've been learning how to podcast. And to that end, I purchased a mobile setup and it was my very first time figuring out how to record a podcast uh, on the go. We were set up by the pool at uh, the SNMA conference. It was the evening of the, the Freaknik uh, pool party. So you may hear some background noise. You will hear some background noise. I tried to edit it to the best of my ability. Let me know what you think of the audio and what you think about Josh's story um, in the comments on either you know Twitter, Instagram, or iTunes. Without further ado, we'll jump into today's episode after a couple of words from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by PicMonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, PicMonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. PicMonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With PicMonic, you can study less, but remember more. The Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others, because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. And we're back. <laughs> we are live at the Student National Medical Association Annual Medical Education Conference 2022, Orlando, Florida, joined by Dr. Joshua Anthony. What's going on, y'all? <laughs> Josh, dude, first time uh, actually meeting in person. Um, how many AMAC conferences have you been to? Um, this is my third one. Third one? Did you yeah. go as a medical student before? No. First time was uh, going, I think, the year after I graduated from medical school. And uh, that's why I tell all the medical uh, students that I know now, make sure that you go before you graduate because that's probably one of my few regrets <laughs> from yeah, middle yeah. school. Not going. Um, where are you, are you from Alabama? For some reason, I think you're from yeah. Alabama. From Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama. Born and raised? Raised. Uh, born in Akron, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. And then um, how did you get to medical school? What's your story? Uh, so from the time I was little, I've always wanted to be a doctor. So that's kind of the trajectory that I followed from maybe seven years old. Um, grew up in Alabama, went to college to HBCU in uh, Alabama, Huntsville, uh, Oakwood University. And then uh, Oakwood University is actually kind of a feeder school for Meharry Medical College. Mm -hmm. uh, at least at that time it was. So I took a gap year after I finished college, worked on my MCAT scores and, uh, and got into Meharry. 
2011. That's dope. Did you have uh, any family members or like, how did you know that process to get into medical school? So my cousin did go to medical school. She's a doctor, but outside of her, I didn't really know anyone else who was a doctor. Um, in Huntsville, there aren't that many black doctors that I knew of. I knew maybe one, and I didn't really have a whole lot of contact with with her. So really my first experience with just like, you know, multiple black doctors was when I got to Meharry. So it was very different for me. Yeah, I know uh, the HBCU medical schools are a very special place, having gone to Howard myself. But I mean, surrounded by black excellence and people that look like you in faculty positions and wearing white coats, is, it's a crazy experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you really find out how, like, generational this really is for a lot of people. Mm. So when I got to Meharry, I was assuming that everybody was probably a first-generation right. doctor. But it was like, no, my my parents and my grandparents and my great-parents, they all, they all <laughs> went here to Meharry. Yeah. That, let's dig into that, man. Because I had a very similar experience going to Howard. I was a, you know, and my parents, middle income, my dad was uh, in the Navy. We, you know, we, we grew up okay. And I made it to Howard. And I was expecting, like you said, a lot of uh, first-generation medical students. And then I found out, you know, about Howard Legacy. And people came in knowing what they wanted to do, what they wanted to go into. And it was a bit overwhelming. because I, I thought we were all in the struggle bus together. And then I realized, like, <laughs> oh, there's, there's classes. There's levels to this. Yeah. Some people, you know, had funding. They, you know, they, they could afford their medical school. Some people had condos in D.C. they were living in. And, and mm-hmm. I was, you know, had a roommate. I, I mean, I wasn't destitute, but it, it, was, it was rough. Yeah. I think for me, like I said, when I, when I first saw it, it was unexpected. But I think, if anything, it was probably very motivating for me. Mm-hmm. Just looking at my background, where I came from. I grew up in a single parent home. And so I guess just seeing how, you know, exposure and experience can make it a lot easier for uh, children mm-hmm. uh, to grow up and like transition into like these professional roles. I mean, personally gave me a, a lot of hope, you know, going forward, you know, when I have kids and things like that. It's huge. I mean, the generational wealth, I know everybody on uh, Instagram and Twitter are talking about like, Wealth building, generational wealth, it's kind of a buzzword, but it's its a very real thing that um, our community needs and it can happen as we, you know, begin to, to progress as a, as a community. Now, I, knowing a little bit about your story, it's like, I know you've been hustling since, uh, since you were, uh, yeah, for forever. <laughs> what were some of the hustles? Because I remember on a podcast earlier, we talked about something about some Jordans. You were like flipping <laughs> fake J's or something. Yeah, in college, I used to sell... Um, <laughs> Clothes from my trunk. So I had a, a catalog that I uh, had put together. And basically, I just used to go take orders and then uh, sell Jordans, Polo, Ivisu, Red Monkey, all from the trunk. So <laughs> I had the whole college looking fresh. Oh, man. So how'd, how'd that work? Where'd you get the clothes from? So straight from China. So I found huh. uh, a supplier. See, and the thing is, I don't, I don't know if it's real or not. You know, yeah. the, the jury is still <laughs> out on you that one. You wouldn't intentionally sell anybody fake stuff. No, know. Yeah. of course not. Never. And and honestly, I didn't have the exposure to any of those brand names myself to really be able to tell if they were fake or not. Yeah. Um, I didn't 
owned my first pair of Jordans until, I mean, at least Jordans bought from a store from like Foot Locker until after after college. Yeah, man, that's wild. Because I mean, I I still have yet to own a pair of Jordans. Although I guess by now it's a choice, but I don't know. It's so <laughs> confusing to me the, the mid, the uptowns, the low riders, all that. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know about the differences. I just know I like what I like. If yeah. I see it and I like it and I have the funds to get it, I might. <laughs> so so you hustled through college and then um, how was medical school? You, you took student loans, but um, as we know, like it doesn't really cover everything. Yeah. So definitely paid my way through college and uh, medical school. Had Had a scholarship through college, so... Most of that was taken care of. Um, medical school is a combination of loans and, and scholarships mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, didn't have any scholarships when I first started, but I worked my butt off while I was in medical school and managed to to secure some some scholarships, if you will. Yeah, uh, academic or were you working on the side as well? Yeah, so they were a combination of... Um, Merit scholarships and like financial need, whatnot. Yeah, I remember, and this is something that was eye-opening to me because I remember in the process. I was thinking like everybody's kind of in the same spot. We're all eligible for student loans, so we're all getting like, you know, whatever we get for student loans. And then it wasn't until like two or three years in that I realized that you know some of my parent, some of my classmates, whether that were in um, a different state, would be getting this financial aid money and actually sending it home to take care of family members. Yeah. And that really like opened my eyes to how different the playing field is for, for different people. And I think a lot yeah. of like, you know, admissions committees and other schools that aren't sensitive to that need, like you did your job as the financial aid advisor, you got everybody the same amount of money, mm-hmm. but then you realize like, or maybe you don't realize how that money is spread differently for other people. Yeah. The, Estimated family contribution is hmm. is a real thing. I know mine's was at zero. <laughs> oh, um, but like you said, it really does open your eyes to how uh, there's a huge difference um, between you know the haves and have-nots, if you if you will, if you want to call it that. But really, that uh, that barrier to access kind of like translates all the way to, you know, patients and, you know, their barrier to access yeah. and care and whatnot, you know. Uh, most things most things are driven by money, and even when it's not about the money, it's about the money. Yeah, always. And, and I know you're um, very focused on mental health um, and psychiatry. So as you were progressing through medical school at Meharry, like what pushed you in or what led you to psychiatry? Probably God. <laughs> first and foremost because I I really did not want to go into psychiatry at all um, just because of my background um, uh, being around family members uh, with drug addictions and uh, other mental health issues I first I, I thought that I probably had a bias that mm. would affect you know my ability to properly care for patients and two, I just, I was tired, I guess. <laughs> I was burnt out <laughs> Yeah. from, you know. But I never actually sat down and 
you know, considered that, you know, having those experiences when I was younger uh, may actually help to make me a better advocate for, yeah. you know, uh, individuals that are suffering from, you know, things of that nature. And that's actually what I found out. Um, it's nothing like I thought it was going to be. Um, and I ended up enjoying it a whole lot. And it even uh, ended up giving me, you know, a lot more understanding, you know, internally for situations or experiences that I had earlier on in life yeah. and whatnot. Because when you're younger, you tend to paint things uh, very black and white, you know, good and bad. But actually being in the field actually gave me an understanding, you know, helped me connect, you know, some of the dots, understand disease processes. Um, I think, you know, it personally made me a better person. Yeah. Um, it's, and thankfully, I think psychiatry is kind of catching on in terms of more people going into the specialty. I know when I was initially matching and going through, like, it wasn't as, not glamorized, but people weren't really looking into it. And I think a lot of people have made strides within that field to, to show, one, the importance of uh, mental health, especially in minoritized communities. That's something that we, we need um, competent physicians and providers in this space. Thankfully, you know, folks like, we were talking about uh, Dr. Harrison, at, she's the pro director at Howard University Hospital. Just, uh, you know, black woman uh, physician or psychiatrist and, and really making these inroads in training competent clinicians to provide this very vital uh, and needed resource. Yeah, definitely. Um, psychiatry is becoming more and more competitive every year. And I think that trend is probably going to continue for a while, especially now because of the pandemic. Um, I think psychiatrists were probably one of the least affected fields, if you will, in mm. terms of practice, because we can do a lot of our work through telehealth. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, a lot of people can, can work from home. Uh, and so, you know, the risk of exposure to, you know, pathogens and, and things like that. It wasn't really a huge worry. So I think, you know, that's going to appeal to to some people. And then uh, the schedule isn't isn't terrible yeah. at all. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to continue to to become more competitive, especially because it's it's needed. And, you know, things like the pandemic actually, you know, raise that mental health burden across across the board. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's go back because I mean we talked about some of your hustles because I, I we didn't even scratch the surface because you are um, you know working on a lot of stuff and I want to highlight that work ethic and that open mind which I think is very unique about you is that you think outside the box, you think about what you're gonna do and then you go and do it. Um, can you share some of those side hustles or passion products that you actually had while you were still going through medical school? Yeah. Um, so um, while I was in medical school, uh, I started a photography business. Uh, I started an apparel line. Um, Did you know how to take pictures before that? No, no. So um, I guess foundationally or my background, I am an artist. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
definitely visual art was a part of, you know, my forte. And then uh, I do music as well. Saxophone? Yeah, saxophone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Started out on the piano, but uh, transitioned to saxophone. Uh, so I used to actually play saxophone all through medical school. Um, but visual art was really like where... That was my bread and butter from like the time that I was six years old. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I got into photography uh, kind of as a way to relieve stress. Um, you know, just to get some creative energy out <laughs> into the air because, you know, medical school is, is stressful. It's good yeah. to have a hobby. Um, so I started doing that and then... Uh, Interestingly enough, like the yearbook, they started uh, Meharry's yearbook. They started uh, grabbing my pictures off of Facebook. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> HBCU Medical School for you. Yeah. And um, putting them in the yearbook. So uh, I kept practicing, perfecting my craft. Uh, and I got good enough to where I could start charging oh, well. for it. Uh, so um started shooting more and more. So I've done weddings i've been published at this huh. point um done stock photography done a so, lot of photography so, so, but how, so how'd you start you what what was your first camera uh it was a canon rebel t4 okay yeah dslr so and i picked canon because a lot of their lenses are uh, interchangeable between their models so a lot of people use nikon um some people use sony but for me, uh, in terms of cost effectiveness, Canon was the best for me. So as I would upgrade my cameras, I could keep using the same lenses. Uh, gotcha. Uh, so this one, you, you would take pictures and then like, I don't know, watch YouTube videos or something, figure out how to take better pictures or how did you perfect it? So I started out, my friend, uh, one of my classmates, he uh, used to do photography. So he told me where to get started. Uh, and so I just started reading, and I think that's probably foundational to learning how to do anything. Like, you have to be willing to read and learn. So I started learning about composition, yeah, um, learning how to frame a shot, learning, like, how light works in general. Like, once you start learning the foundations of something, it becomes really easy um, to kind of tweak and, you know, kind of make cool effects. So... For me, it was really understanding how, how does light work. Okay. Um, what happens when, you know, light is going a certain speed, when you slow it down, you know, when you let it bounce off of something, you know, it's the fundamentals of photography is just understanding light. Uh, so from there, um, that's, uh, I think, maybe a few years later is when I start my apparel company, um, we are 2100. And the way that started was um, we were trying to do a class fundraiser and we weren't really happy with the apparel that was in the uh, store, uh -huh. the spirit store at Meharry. So I was just getting out of surgery. I had like a whole lot of time in my hand. I was like, uh, I was on bed rest and I had a tablet and I had a stylus and I just started drawing messing with some designs and then um basically uh i came across the uh 
the Maybach Music Group logo. Okay. Yeah. So like I oh, altered yeah. that instead of MMG, I made it MMC. And so then I, I like it. Yeah, I went to um, a Tyler. Remember when it did it because he was one of the first people I showed. But I took it to the marketing department, and I said, "Hey, can we put this in the store? Can we use this as a fundraiser?" And they were like, "No." <laughs> and and I think they asked. I asked them why, and I wasn't really satisfied with the with the answer. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Well, I mean, I could just sell it myself." You know, I was like, you know, it's not like you know, it's trademarked. Can't trademark the name Mahiri, you know, itself. It's the name that led to you know. Oh, are you a lawyer or something? I was like. I didn't pass the bar, but I know a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, and from there, like, I, I started, I I combined that with my photography, really. Yeah. Like, I made, uh, I got a few shirts, screen printed out, did a photo shoot with uh, the students at Meharry, uh, did a pre-sale, and, like, everybody loved it. Wow. And so it went from that, you know, we are 2100. So I actually called it 2100 because MMC is 2100 in Roman numerals. Uh, and so, yeah, I did that because of the whole trademark thing and everything. I was like, I'll just call it 2100 instead of, you know. So that transitioned into um, eventually like the Meharry Made brand, uh-huh. um, which was really. Um, at that point, in attempt to uh, connect the alumni and students at Meharry. Yeah. Um, because even though, you know, we were right in the middle of Nashville, a lot of people didn't really realize that we were there in terms of a school. And, you know, Meharry is a place that has made a lot of con- contributions, you know, to the nation in general, especially when it comes to, you know, production of of black doctors and dentists and, and, and everything. Yeah. Cause, cause Mary has, I mean, they have a PhD program. They have dental school, mm-hmm. medical school. What else? Is yeah. veter- veterinarian school? No. So they're actually, they're starting a PA school. They're starting a data science uh, school, but really it's definitely the only um, HBCU that is like a purely graduate level studies. Yeah. So no undergraduate, um, attached to it so that that's real different but you know just the history behind it um you know a lot of it their history runs parallel to to howard's history you know those two schools have done a lot yeah so um it didn't make a, a lot of sense that you know like right in nashville there are still people that didn't know that um we were there so really um, it was a way of kind of like creating a brand that we could associate with, you know, pride, um, just pride, you know, about being a Meharian. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's huge. And, and throughout the course of this podcast, I mean, definitely like, cause over 50% of the practicing physicians came from either Meharry, um, Howard or Morehouse. So it's not surprising that and the guests that come on the show, you know, we have more and more and more that 
that are obviously uh, alumni of these esteemed organizations. Yeah. Um, well, this and what you're listening to is the very first time that I've done. We've done a live recording of the podcast. We I started this in June of 2020, pandemic. Pretty much all of my episodes recorded um, online. So it's been incredible to be at the first AMEC that is back in person. Um, I saw so many incredible people. Hopefully going to talk to some more of them as well. Dr. Italo Brown, um, Dr. Tamla Matthews, um, you know, the, the, the fellows from RMRN and sitting right across from uh, Josh and, and Flesh and Blood having this conversation. We're out here sitting by the pool. It's a good time. You probably hear the wind rippling. And I'm going to try to edit this episode as best I can. No guarantees. It may be a little rough as I learn how to, <laughs> how to edit uh, live audio. Um, so bear with us. But um, Josh, dude, thanks for sharing a little bit of your life because there's, there's so much more that we could get into. Um, but thanks for, for hanging out poolside, sipping in. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, dope. The Black Doctors Podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. If you enjoy listening, tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. We are a small team and can use all the help we can get. You can reach us at the Black Doctors Podcast on Instagram or at Stephen Bradley MD on Twitter or Instagram. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast because representation matters.